Happy Valentine's Day, you filthy animals. Happy Valentine's Day, you guys. So this is our first ever subtextual special in celebration of rom-coms. As a little gift, we created a rom-com bingo card. You can find it in the show notes. So pop open a bottle of rosé along with us and enjoy this Valentine's Day special. We love you. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is subtextual. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Can I get a clink in the chat? Ching, ching. Yes, folks. We're celebrating. We're drinking the finest apple juice tonight. (laughs) I love Valentine's Day, honestly. I love Valentine's Day as well. I'm like brainwashed by capitalism this way. But I just like the idea of like it's pink. It's cute. You get to watch movies. Yeah. Eat steak or whatever. Yeah. And being gay, you kind of get to skip the line on some of the heteronormativity, you know, and you get to just have fun with your partner. You don't have to do the whole like, oh, you forgot. You didn't make reservations thing. The worst thing you can do on Valentine's Day is make dinner reservations. Fact. Oh my God. Yeah. Did I tell you about my friend who was born on Valentine's Day? I thought it was so cute. I was like, that's such a nice birthday. And he was like, why? My friends can't hang out with me and I can't even go out to dinner. (laughs) All right. So we're... Doing something absolutely, totally crazy different for this Valentine's Day special. Yes, we are. Sam, can you kind of explain the game that we came up with? Yeah, me and Lizzie, uh, we're thinking of something cute to do for this uh, episode. And we both have a mutual obsession with rom-coms. And uh, so I thought we'd do something called the good, the bad, and the ugly. So the good being rom-coms that are good Mm -hmm. and that we like. Check. The bad being rom-coms that are bad (laughs) that we don't like. Double check. (laughs) (laughs) And then the ugly being rom-coms that are bad that we like. Yes. Oh, man. God, I've been a lifelong lover of rom-coms my entire life. You've been a lifelong lover your entire life? A lifelong life lover, life, love, and life. (laughs) Live, laugh, love with rom-coms. My mom and I used to watch a shit ton of romantic comedies. Oh, same. Absolutely. I don't think you could escape it at, you know, if you were born around when we were born, there was tons. Like every year it was another huge one or like several huge ones. Yeah. It was like the golden age of rom-coms is like the whole time that we were growing up. Yeah. So Lizzie and I were discussing like where the fuck did these rom-coms go because we weren't imagining things, right? Like it wasn't the nostalgia, like huge stars were starring opposite each other. And these were like Jennifer Lopez, Meg Ryan, Matthew McConaughey, Drew Barrymore, Anne Hathaway. Jennifer Gardner. Yes. All of these people. Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Lopez. And you're not crazy. They did disappear. And it's actually because of Avatar. (laughs) (laughs) Curse you, Avatar. James Cameron, you motherfucker. I knew it. Okay, I saw Avatar in theaters with my gay best friend in high school, and we laughed our dicks off. And then we, like, woke up the next morning being like, oh, man, no one's going to take that film seriously. And (laughs) I just feel like I've been punked my entire life that people (laughs) have, like, changed the industry. It was like a cultural watershed moment. And I was like, Jimmy Cameron is an ass lick, okay? This is like a social uh, experiment to see if you'll believe that Avatar could have changed the course of cinematic history. I'm like, I've seen Pocahontas. Girl, this is Pocahontas, Mm -hmm. but blue. Yeah, so uh, the reason that I'm saying Avatar ruined our lives is because 
so the 90s was like the birth of the rom-com moment. Like mm-hmm. 1989 is when Harry Met Sally was released, which is believed to be the first real romantic comedy. Like the first modern romantic comedy. Like it wrote the script. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And so it all rolled over into the 90s. Mm. And before the formula kind of got old, mm-hmm. as people believed it to be, like they they were popping off like crazy. And they right. weren't just like regular independent film rom-coms. These were like... Studio pictures. Blockbusters. Multi-million dollar pictures, yeah. Exactly. And so it's believed that like in the later 2000s when like movies with higher budget like Marvels and Mm -hmm. superheroes and all this stuff came into the fold that people kind of got tired of the like formulaic approach that like rom-coms were taking. But I find such comfort in that. I like knowing exactly how the plot's going to go and just like you can plug and play all the different elements. Like she's a florist. She's a baker. He's uh, wearing a tuxedo. He's wearing jeans. Like She doesn't like Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's always like one mortal flaw like that. But in the end, they they get together. Yeah. So if I could take, um, I'm getting some of this information from a Screen Rant article. So let me just read part of this because uh, I think it's so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking back now on the genre's heyday, it could certainly be argued that the most painfully obvious shortcomings involved a huge lack of diversity. This lack of diversity was spread across class, race, and sexual orientation, ultimately leading to characters that wider audience couldn't relate to. Wait, wider or whiter? <laughs> I think they're used synonymously here. Yeah, I wish they that was like a note in this. No, wider as in General. width. Yeah. But I think it's so funny that they were like, so it died because there was no diversity. Period. The end. It was Period. Like- <laughs> so they died. They didn't try to diversify. They didn't try to get women in the writing room or people nope. of color or queer mm-hmm. people or anyone really. They're like, oh, well, white men can't write it. Therefore, mm-hmm. Done. End of chapter. They were like, but we're doing all this alien shit over here. It's easier (laughs) to write aliens than it is to write gay people of color. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and something else you mentioned, maybe it was from this article, maybe it's just from your smart little brain, but like you were saying that comedy, romantic comedies or something like them have come before, that they've been phases that have passed through cinema in the last 120 years that cinema has existed. So I predict Mm -hmm. that it's going to come back around maybe in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Hell, maybe even sooner, because I think after COVID, there's been like an uptick in positive and happy ending stories, not necessarily romantic comedies by any means, but things that are just a little bit more joyful. So maybe that will mean that there's a dawn of new romantic comedies on the horizon with all sorts of different people like honest inclusive stories yeah i mean with world wars and pandemics and major historical events that cause like (laughs) trauma amongst the general population we do often look towards like art to kind of get us out of yeah out of situations like that i mean escape they're predicting that the rom-coms are going to return. And I think that, I mean, Wait, it's, they are like they being the Screen Rant article. Uh, this Screen Rant article like lists a couple of them. But uh, I've read in other places that they believe that it's like the second coming of the rom-com. <gasps> that is the best news I've heard. I, that brings me a sense of relief. Yeah. If there's only if Avatar killed the rom-com, then the only thing that can bring it back to life is Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> <gasps> That's true. That mm-hmm. that was a modern romantic comedy that slapped and was mm-hmm. inclusive without being like, oh, we have to like to be yeah, without this box. It's like, no, this is a good movie. Uh-huh. And I love I love that movie. I've seen it so- every time I get on a plane and it's available, I watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was not pandering in any way and uh I really liked it. And Crazy it had a Rich fat Asians. budget. 
They Dude, had a fat, fat budget. Stacked. And they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to like divorce yourself from capitalism completely to enjoy rom-coms they like i am willing to give my money to these films just give them to me exactly and as like a gay person who who's never seen myself in any of these major Mm -hmm. blockbuster rom-coms like when harry met sally you've got male like bitch none (laughs) of those people look like me by the way i don't know if you can tell by this audio recording i'm not a white person wearing tweed they all live in seattle exactly and they're all in marketing like i never for a minute related to any of their lives and so for me it was kind of just like watching rom-coms was like watching a movie about aliens yeah which is so funny that they would rather make movie about movies about aliens but it's like i'm able to and i think all people are able to understand that like you can relate to things without them being directly relatable yeah so hopefully Rom-coms have their second coming of Jesus and they're just a little more relatable. Praise. Uh, but Amen. if anyone's, if any producers are out there listening to this, I'll take whatever you give me at this point. This is what we request. We request, it doesn't have to be realistic. It doesn't have to be realistic at all. I Mm-mm. just want like more diversity and I want stars back. I want hotties back in the seat. I want actual good actors in these rom-coms, they don't mm-hmm. have to be B-list. Bad. Like, you can just hire a good actor to be in the film. Yeah. Just, like, let me call us. We'll we'll give you a list of hot actors that we will accept. We will gladly cast it for free. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. That's my <gasps> dream job. Oh, my God. If we have time at the end of this episode, we should cast the perfect, like, current rom-com cast. <gasps> we'll definitely have time. <laughs> I'm putting a note to make time for it. Okay. I'm going to pour some more rosé. So, yeah, how do you want to do this? I mean, should we go good to bad? Let's go good. Or bad to good? Let's go good, bad, ugly. All right, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Let's rock, paper, scissors it. Okay. Okay. Do you go on three or do you go on shoot? I go on shoot. Okay, that's right. (laughs) Right answer. (laughs) Okay. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Fucking lesbian. We both (laughs) scissoring over here. Okay, ready? Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. Ah, uh, she rocked my scissors. I rocked your scissors. Are right, you pick who goes first? I choose you. Okay, I choose you, <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> um, do you want to guess what you think my favorite rom com is? Because I f- feel like you might know. Uh, give me the smallest hint. Um, there's a really iconic dress. Oh, shut film. up! I fucking know it. Before you even said that, it's the fucking movie I hate. I know you hate this movie. Oy, oy, oy. It's How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Jesus, I I love this movie. Lord, take me, <laughs> take me home. Wait, why do you hate this movie? Uh, I have a whole segment dedicated to why I don't like this movie. Well. No spoilers. Tell me why you hate it, because maybe I can refute it with no, like, no, no, no. facts about why it's good. Tell me why you like it. I don't want to get into my segment just yet. What I like about rom-coms in general is something I mentioned earlier is that there's a formula. Like, we all know. Meet girl, meet boy, boy and girl, meet boy and girl. They fall in love. They have a problem. He runs to meet her at some undisclosed location. They make up. Love it. I'm No complaints. And this follows all of those points. But it twists a couple of the points in a way that this movie is almost self-aware, but still serving you all the rom-com beats. Because the main character, the protagonist, Kate Hudson, is super smart, super funny. She has like a master's degree. She's like a doctor, for Christ's sake. And she wants to be a journalist. And she is a journalist. And they do this great thing where the plot totally follows the beat-for-beat rom-com plot schedule. 
But it's kind of like tongue in cheek and a little self-aware because the main character is trying to get this man to break up with her while the man is trying to convince her to fall in love with him. So she's like knowingly committing. I like that Andy Anderson gets an introduction, but Matthew McConaughey <laughs> is man. Matthew, okay, Matthew McConaughey. This December, <laughs> Kate Middleton <laughs> is a complex so character. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey is man. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey used to do a lot for me sexually in my youth, though it's kind of fallen off. I mean, in this film, he has the perfect body, like too perfect. He's like smooth as a dolphin, dude. Like he has <laughs> no hair anywhere on his body except for his head. And I don't know, like the, the, my bisexual nature is just like, ooh, hairless body. <laughs> yes, that's a man. <laughs> I don't have time to unpack that right now for you guys. Okay, so... But why do you not like this movie? You don't like this movie just because of him? He's from Texas, Sam. He ruins Texas for me, <laughs> a person from Texas says. But like Jeb Bush or one of the Bushes, all them Bushes be from Texas. No, Matthew McConaughey trumps them. He's the worst. He's worse than the Bushes? Yeah, I mean, you George... You mean that. George W. Paints now. He started a war. <laughs> <laughs> But have you seen the paintings? They're really good, actually. I would die for one. <laughs> They're pretty precious. They're precious. Yeah, it's like it where not, George like, Bush started high and bad. So George Bush started real bad and then has gotten better. But McC McConaughey has consistently gotten worse. He's fine. I don't mind him. Okay. But Kate Hudson is the best part of this movie. She is a comic genius. She is way thin, which I usually don't like, but she wears... The yellow dress. You know exactly what yellow dress I'm talking about, huh? I Do got I? a picture here. Do I? Picture. There's no way you don't know this yellow dress. I don't recall this dress. You don't recall this dress? I don't She's recall. She's the only person on earth that can wear a floor-length yellow silk backless gown with her hair in a fucking low ponytail and look amazing. I disagree. This dress is iconic. I don't care if you disagree. This dress is iconic. I, this feels like a courtroom hearing where you're like, do you recall this dress? <laughs> Exhibit A. Y'all know what dress I'm talking about. It's like, I put this on the same level as the green dress that Keira Knightley wears in Atonement. Do you know that dress? I don't. Jesus Christ, woman. Do you even pay attention to costume design at all? <laughs> you hear those keys a-clacking? <laughs> I'm fucking Googling this. Ooh. Gorgeous. She's gorgeous. All right, She's here's, gorgeous. Here's the Keira Knightley dress from atonement that's nice yeah emerald green backless silk no tits no bra I you love, love them bony i love them bony i don't know why i guess i'm just you brainwashed icing on your face <laughs> it's on your, yeah you got uh, it i get it yeah i think so okay. <laughs> all right so okay so I really don't have much in the way of discussion about why I don't like it. It all comes to the point that I think Matthew McConaughey is a B minus actor and that's giving him a lot of credit. And I think that he is not suited for rom-coms and I think he makes them worse. But you are just ignoring Kate Hudson completely. She's yeah. amazing and hilarious. And the movie is mainly about her, which rarely happens in a rom-com. Well, there is a movie that is coming to mind that they could have casted McConaughey. It seems like mm. they should have. Like it was written for McConaughey. Is it like a cowboy movie? No, it's Sweet Home Alabama. Oh. Who is the lead in that? It's the guy. Wilson or other? Wait, 
I get the two mixed up because there's like one that she's in love with and was married to. Yeah, that's um, Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. Wait, are you sure? Huh, am I no, sure? No, that's the one she's going to get married to. No, Patrick Dempsey is the one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But then there's the one that she was married to that she ends up with in the end. Because- exactly. This is the guy that should be Matthew McConaughey. Jake! You dumb, stubborn, redneck hick! The only reason you won't sign these papers is because I want you to! Wrong! The only reason I ain't signing is because you've turned into some coity toity Yankee bitch, and I'd like nothing better right now than to piss you off. So this, in all regards, is Matthew McConaughey. Like, when you close your eyes, this could be him, right? It could be. But Matthew McConaughey, he can get silly, but whatever this guy's name is, I guess we should figure out what his name is. Yeah, you figure out. Josh Lucas. He looks like Rafe Fiennes. Um, Josh Lucas is very silly, because it's a very silly role. As a person who, like... He works in advertising this film, by the way. He does? Okay, we're checking that square off the bingo <laughs> card. Uh, I think that Matthew McConaughey works for some people, and so it's like he doesn't really need to do much. But for the like 30% of people he doesn't work for, it seems like that's me and like two other folks I mm-hmm. might know. Uh, it just reads super slimy to me. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's because I saw Days and Confused really young. Yeah. But All right, all right, all right. And I attribute that to my reason that I hate Ben Affleck. Uh, because they both are terrible in that movie. I mean, You don't have to pinpoint your hate for Ben Affleck to one moment. It can be just everything he's ever done. It's the chin. It's his it's my entire final being. It's his energy. <laughs> it's yucky. I'm coming around to liking Ben Affleck, but I have not. Ew! No. I've shown you the pictures of him getting Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> haven't I not? Okay, well, if that's your reason <laughs> for giving him a couple more points, <laughs> you're right. They're hilarious. Okay, I, would, I do want to show you real quick. Sam, I want to show you a scene this, from this film before we move on to your favorite, because this scene, I think about it, seriously, I think about it all the time, and it'll knock one of the spaces off of the rom-com bingo list in that it's the final karaoke scene. So, a little context. This is towards the end. Kate Hudson's character just found out that Matthew McConaughey's character was only dating her to win a bet, and he just found out that she was only dating him for an article she was writing. And they're at this like big swanky gala. Yeah, 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 yeah. You walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. You had your, your hat pulled down real strategically over one eye. You had a scarf, I think it was apricot. Strategically yeah, tipped yeah, yeah, below yeah. one you eye. Had one eye in the mirror. As you make sure you had a real cool cavite. <laughs> cavite, yeah. yeah. work out their relationship angst to Carly Simon's You're So Vain and I relate to that. (laughs) Doesn't. I relate to that so much. So I've watched this movie probably once a year since I was twelve and I will continue to watch it. And it makes me giggle very, very, very hard. So your points for this film are Mm -hmm. Kate Hudson, Mm -hmm. yellow dress. Mm -hmm. Karaoke scene. That is more than enough. More than enough. I've liked our love for worst movies for less. You let it die. So, one more little f- fun fact before I let you talk. Um, 
There's a scene. This is how all of our conversations work, by the way, um, listeners. I definitely take up a lot of space. Um, <laughs> no, you're like, shh, I see you trying to speak. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see you trying to tell me to stop. <laughs> One a fun fact before you open your mouth. <laughs> okay, real quick, a fun fact. There's a scene where Kate Hudson um, takes Matthew McConaughey to the movies to see some rom-coms, and he has to pretend to like them because... He doesn't want her to break up with him. But anyway, on the, like, uh, what's it called? The marquee. On the marquee, it shows the list of rom-coms playing. And number two is Fried Green Tomatoes. Hey! Aye. A rom-com <laughs> and the fact that it is very romantic. Exactly. They acknowledge that it's a rom-com. They get points for that. They do. This movie knows what they're doing. All right. Samuel, what is your favorite? Wait, can I try to guess? Yeah. You think I could guess? I reckon you can get, yeah, I think you could. You reckon? I, I reckon. <laughs> the contender in my corner. So we've got How to Lose a Guy in 10 Gate. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. <laughs> uh, the rosé is flowing. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days on one side, and then we've got mine on the other. It, you're saying that they're like polar opposites? No, I'm just saying they're going to fight. <laughs> is it like fucking Edward Scissorhands? No. <laughs> Is it music on fucking lyrics? No. What? God. Um Give me a hint. Barry Moore is in it. Never been kissed? Nor. Is it ever after? I I don't think you're gonna get it. Okay, what is it? Just gonna go through the discography. 50 first dates. No. I've never heard you talk about the film. It better not be that. Um no, what is it? I don't know. Uh so I'm allowed to do whatever I want, and I have two contenders for the best rom-com. We have one, which is on paper, probably the best rom-com of all time, and that is 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, that is a good one. I think- That's a really good one. Uh, yeah, it's it hits all the beats yeah. while also not being entirely formulaic. Yeah, and then it great kind soundtrack. Of, great soundtrack. There's a Hotties, self- hot, hot hotties. They're- Teenagers, watch yourself. Self-awareness is good in this. Yeah, Heath Ledger is probably like 30 when he filmed this. (laughs) Exactly. And um, my second, they're tied. So this movie I don't think is universally regarded, but I do believe that it hits a lot of beats that other rom-coms don't hit. And I I regard it pretty highly as a rom-com. It's he's just not that into you. (laughs) Okay, rude reaction. That was rude. We've got the camera. Hey, look. Okay, so why are you giggling over he's just not that into you? I'll explain later. Okay, let me give a breakdown because I feel like this was supposed to be an easy episode to record. I feel like I went very wide with it. So in each category, I have a subcategory. No. Listen. (laughs) Okay. Too much work you overachieved. So in every category falls the actor that owns the category. So in the good category, who owns it? We have Drew Barrymore. Yeah, the she's Drew the Barrymore queen. factor is what I like to call her. Yeah, because every one of these movies, we can all agree, have interchangeable parts that can be filled by almost anyone because they're all white, like straight people. Mm-hmm. So it can all be whoever, but. In the good category and in the bad and in the ugly, there are people who are common denominators within those subcategories. And I believe that Drew Barrymore is the common denominator in mm-hmm. the good. Mm-hmm. Excuse you? I think 50 First Dates is just kind of shit. I think 50 First Dates is a 
is a bit opportunistic and mildly concerning. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that talking about that. <laughs> uh, so She's the queen of romantic comedies. Drew Barrymore is undeniably the common denominator in some of the best romantic comedies, starting with The Wedding Singer, which was her first, mm-hmm. followed by Never Been Kissed, which is my personal favorite. I don't remember liking that film when I watched it. It kind of like aggravated me for some reason. I probably Grossy Josie? Yeah, I just, I guess I didn't believe that that was real. I was like, what's wrong with her? And why did she have to go back to high school to get kissed? I'm just, I don't, I don't want it. Well, she's in, <laughs> it's a secret identity. Wait, wait, we haven't been yeah. crossing off our bingo cards. So we've got <laughs> works in identity, works in advertising. Uh, we've got mistaken identity. We have makeover and we have musical number. So never been kissed was followed by the morally questionable 50 first dates mm-hmm. and then fever pitch in 2005, oh, Jimmy yeah. Fallon. And then music and lyrics. Ew. And he's just not that into you. Ew. Which is the queen of this category for me personally. Please tell me why. I have a clip to show you. Okay. You I bitch. know this movie front and back. I've watched it recently. Remember when I went out with that notary public and he cheated on me? And then Anastasia from upstairs told me the story about how her boyfriend cheated on her at the beginning, but then he totally changed and now they're married and crazy in love? I thought that guy was a process server. No, notary. Anyway, uh, my point is, Anastasia's the exception, not the rule. And we have to stop listening to these stories because the rule is that most guys who cheat on you up front don't really care about you very much. Okay. Okay, so, um, exhibit A, Chad, the drummer who lived in a storage space. He only used me for rides, and yet I continued to stalk him for most of 1998. And then, um, oh, there was Don, who broke up with me every Friday so that he could have his weekends free and... I was so delusional about that relationship. I used to refer to him as my husband to random people like my dental hygienist. And anyways, all of my friends used to tell me these stories about how things might work out with these dipsticks because they knew someone who knew someone who dated a dipstick just like mine. And that girl ended up getting married and living happily ever after. But that's the exception. And we're not the exception. We're the rule. Now, let me show you another clip. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to sober me up. Does that scene remind you of any other scene? Christ, you don't know the rules? Uh, have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Big no no! Big no no! I'm a dead man. Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Fun fact before you open your mouth. (laughs) So I could probably write many essays, probably a doctoral thesis on this. But I believe that the little thing that horror movies scratch formulaic basic horror movies and rom-com scratch are the same exact thing. Hmm. They follow the same archetypes Mm -hmm. through the same stories and it all ends the exact same way. Yeah. So I think that there's a huge overlap for people who enjoy rom-coms and horror movies. They might not notice that they like both. Sometimes they really like one and don't like the other. But I think that there is something to be said about like 
and, and directors are almost like magnetized to these stories, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a chance to either pay homage to the genre, which is a lot of what Scream has been doing in its multi-sequels, but like also you could subvert the genre, which is what the original Scream did. did. Uh, and I think that rom-coms can learn a lot of lessons from horror mm-hmm. in a way that like you can be recycled. Being recycled is not a bad thing per se, but like as long as you're self-aware... I think the audience can have a lot more to take from the actual movie. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's just not into, he's just not that into you. It's my number one in this category. It, it subverts the genre very well. It's incredibly self-aware and they adopt this like super annoying structure, which I actually love, which is like this star studded vignette thing mm-hmm. where there's like seven storylines and they kind of intersect sort of and it's every single celebrity you've ever heard of ben affleck jennifer aniston uh fucking let me just read you this cast list because it's insane so we've got jennifer goodwin who's gg jennifer aniston jennifer connelly god so many jennifers so many jennifers scarlett johansson justin long ben affleck drew barrymore is in this like i mentioned her storyline is the best yeah there's there was like no shortage of famous people in this. And I think it could be, you know, on the first pass by someone who probably doesn't appreciate romantic comedies, it can seem very reductive. But I think that if you've seen as many romantic comedies as I have, as well as as many horror movies as I have, it's like a very refreshing watch. Are you going to be mad or are you going to gag that that was my choice for the bad category? <laughs> you know, I knew there'd be overlap. I knew there would be. Overlap. I didn't expect it to be like this. <laughs> I really, the point you make You're, about rom coms and horror scratching a similar itch because they're these like formulaic beat for beat movies is very astute. And I wonder if we could like pull any parallels from the future because of what you just said between this movie and Scream. But watching this movie fills me with such a rage. <laughs> <laughs> I can hardly contain myself. I draw very little joy from this film. And th- what joy I do draw comes almost exclusively from Drew Barrymore. So cheers <laughs> to the queen. Let's cheers <laughs> to the woman who made this all possible. Hey, here's to you, Drew. This is for you, Drew. I use her makeup too sometimes. Our whole kitchen is Drew Barrymore appliance. So... Moving right along to the bad, <laughs> meaning actually bad, because I thought I was clear with that, but Lizzie, I think, took it to mean something I think else. This movie, I think he's just not that into you is just... A bad movie that bad. you don't enjoy. A bad movie that I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy... I want to enjoy it, because you're right. It is very smartly written. I love the title. I love a title that's a phrase. There will be blood. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Love Julie Newmar. Big fan. I love vignettes. And I like how they string together these montage-like sequences that are like multiple um, characters that we don't meet, answering different questions about love. That's genius. I love that. And you're right. It does do its best to lay out some of the rules of hetero romance in this film. But the characters are so deplorable. There's so many whys and question marks in the plot, so maybe I'm getting too bogged down about, like, the casting and the and the <laughs> script, but this movie just, just drills, like, a fucking corkscrew into my brain. 
You're telling me a white man, when given the opportunity to marry Jennifer Aniston, would say no? Unrealistic. <laughs> That's my it's biggest so bone true. to pick. But it's it's Ben Affleck, which is the perfect casting because yeah, he he would be the one. Like <laughs> his cargo shorts with his fucking chin. Like he was yeah. he was casted in a way to make me hate him for my whole life. But like, yeah, he suits that role so perfectly. I I think it was all done very masterfully, and I think that all of these individual A-list actors probably shot like all of two days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and made yeah, like a, a smart bajillion dollars. Use, yeah, it's a smart way to use your money. And there is one scene that I think about constantly because if there was a he's just not that into you 2022, I think there absolutely could be. I think this mm-hmm. movie, this format of this film could be taken and run with today. And hopefully in our rom-com renaissance that's on the horizon, we'll see this. But there's a scene with um, Drew Barrymore where she's in like a drugstore, I think with Scarlett Johansson. And she says, I, I have the whole thing right here. I'll just read it. She goes, <laughs> you have it. <laughs> I had this guy leave me a voicemail at work. So I called him at home and then he emailed me to my Blackberry. And so I texted him to his cell and then he emailed me to my home account and the whole thing just got out of control. And <laughs> that's just, to me, that's such a time capsule for the times. And not much has changed today. Like there's all these different ways to connect and avoid and be avoided and like figure out, do they know I'm here? Do they not know I'm here? Are they intentionally ignoring me? Are they stalking me? They have all these avenues to stalk me. Like, (laughs) and that still really tickles me. Mm -hmm. Um, That in the scene where she gets that voicemail from that singer guy, (laughs) like all her gay friends are crowded around her. Yeah. Mary, 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 Mary. (laughs) And then she gets another voicemail that's like, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Jenny. Oh shit, who did I call? Uh, there are some really genius moments there. So before we move on from He's Just Not That Into You, if you guys are keeping up with the bingo card, He's Just Not That Into You checks the cheating card because okay. of, yes. what's his name? Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper cheats on a Jennifer Connelly. A smoker. A cheater and a smoker. Uh, we still have Slam Meet Cute okay, open. Wait. Really quick question. In that scene where Scarlett Johansson and him were about to have sex and then he shoves her into a closet because Jennifer Connelly comes in and seduces yeah. him and then they have sex. You know a lot about this movie you hate. It's seared in my brain. But why didn't ScarJo just like pop out the closet? Girl, you know I would have been like, bam, like kick the door down. Like No, she she gets out of the closet and is just, she does like a scathing yelling at him. You don't remember that? I do, but she's like, how once, dare you? Once the wife leaves, I wouldn't have sat in that closet and listened to them have sex for what? 20 minutes and don't. Hour? They don't have sex. They have sex. No, they don't. They this is my movie. Not Scarlett Johansson, Jennifer Connelly, no, Bradley Cooper. No. They have sex. No, they don't. I would put thousands of dollars on the fact that they have sex. How much? Twenty. Pull up the Wikipedia. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. They have sex. They don't. Not on screen, but they have sex no. in that context of the film. No, they don't. All right, here we go. Later, this is from Wikipedia. Later, Anna and Ben begin having sex in his office when he gropes and strips her to her laundry. They are interrupted by Janine, who arrives hoping to spice up their marriage. Forced to hide in a closet and listen as Ben and Janine have sex, Anna afterward leaves in disgust, ending her affair with Ben. I'll take my $20 in cash or check. I hate myself. (laughs) I thought, (sighs) what is my film degree even worth? (laughs) Not even $20. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, wait, hold on, please, because I was in the middle of doing our... Okay, so, listener, if you're keeping up with this subtextual rom-com bingo card, we have cheating, which has been closed by He's Just Not That Into You. Mm -hmm. We have works in advertising, which was slammed by every movie we've talked about. (laughs) So far. We have mistaken identity, which is still open. We have... Uh, Yeah. 
We have wedding scenes still open. We have celebrities still open. We have a gay best friend, which has been closed, but he's just not that into you. Drew Barrymore. That's closed. Musical number also closed. Friends to lovers closed by he's just not that into you. And then Mm, makeover is still open. It'll be closed. So we're close to getting four across the board. We just need, um, we need a celebrity, some character who is a celebrity that falls in love with another so you were explaining why he's just not that into you is a bad movie that's actually bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've made my case. What is your bad movie that's actually bad? My bad movie that's actually bad is What Women Want. Oh, I can agree that that movie is bad. <laughs> uh, I don't feel vindicated at the end whatsoever. Though there are some like LOL giggle moments. It's not worth the rewatch. Something that could only be released in the year 2000. <laughs> a rom-com starring Mel Gibson. Who okayed that? Oh, my God. Do you know that there is a remake called What Men Want, where a woman gets the ability to listen to men's thoughts? Like, I think it came out like last year. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that because I was considering doing for a good movie that's good. Love Don't Cost a Thing, which is mm. uh, inverse of She's All That. She's All That is Freddie Prince Jr. making over the nerdy girl. Right. And Love Don't Cost a Thing is Christina Milian making over Nick Cannon. Oh, yeah. There's also a He's All That that just came out on Netflix. Uh, it's garbage. I haven't well, even watched it, but I know. They don't have anything on Love Don't Cost a Thing because Love Don't Cost a Thing is just, they do the Humpty Hump in that movie, which is perfect. Oh my God, Nick Cannon. Uh, so whoever thought Mel Gibson could stand a chance in a romantic comedy understood very quickly that it would never work. Mm-hmm. It's got a 54% on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> which is actually higher than He's Just Not That Into You. Really? He's just not that into you as a 41. I guess people agree with me. I guess people are dumb. Uh, So what women want, I was so annoyed researching this film because I was like, this is a movie about reading women's minds and it's written by a man. Yeah. But it's written by a man named Josh Goldsmith, who has a writing partner, his wife, Kathy Goldsmith. And she... Hmm. They both are writing partners on what women want and the King of Queens. (laughs) Which are bad projects, but they also co-wrote 13 Going on 30. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So do we hate them? Or do we love them? I think they've done enough bad that the scales still tip in that direction. But 13 Going on 30 is fantastic. I know I did too much research for this, but every category, the good, the bad, and the ugly, have the actors that are synonymous with those categories. So we got Drew Barrymore, who's synonymous Mm -hmm. with the good. That's actually good. Oh my gosh. Who's in the bad? Adam Sandler? No, it's your boyfriend. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. No, what else? What else is bad? I I need everyone to come with me on this ride real quick. It's a very short ride. But to better illustrate why Matthew McConaughey is a grenade of a person. I need you to understand the J-Lo factor. Okay. So I want you to imagine a graph here. Okay. And you can imagine all of Matthew McConaughey's movies starting at a base level of bad and then kind of nose diving into terrible. And then you could imagine J-Lo's movies at like a baseline of average and then kind of skyrocketing into good. They all start at the same point, which is The Wedding Planner. That was one of my contenders for bad. That movie is bad. Even they tried to get at everything. They gave Matthew McConaughey glasses. They put J-Lo in it. It's bad. 
It's bad. And it's not even that bad, but it is like the intersection of J-Lo starting to do really good and McConaughey starting to do really bad. Oh, was Made in Manhattan before or after that movie? After. So let let me tell you the trajectory. So there's McConaughey, whose first rom-com was The Wedding Planner, and J-Lo, whose first rom-com was The Wedding Planner. And so she went on to make Made in Manhattan. Love. Monster-in-law. Love. I know. And then Marry Me, which is the 2022. Mm. And then he went on to make How to Lose a Guy in 10 Gays. Love. (laughs) Another slip of the tongue. (laughs) Failure to Launch, which is trash. And then the worst movie he's ever made, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. The Wedding Planner was better than How to Lose a Guy. No. Yeah. Incorrect. Straight nosedive. Incorrect. So if you're imagining this graph of J-Lo and McConaughey, it's kind of like a whale tail. Fucking Virgo would create like plot rom com <laughs> on a chart. And that's all I have to say. Moving right along. I didn't realize how divisive <laughs> this episode would be. You're mad. I'm You're not mad. mad. You're mad. You're projecting. You're literally mad. You were, li- I'm literally chilling. Bruh. I'm 20 minutes, $20 richer. You are $20 richer because I was wrong. But you slandered my movie. You went into the. You went into your bad car. No, I Can I I totally agree. You had some really good points. I've never once made that connection in my life that rom coms and horrors have more in common, even though they're placed on opposite ends of the spectrum. I would be curious to know, because like I know diehard horror people and I wonder how many of them are also whores for the rom com genre. You're one. Yeah, I think the it's a very, it's like a Venn diagram that look more like boobs than a Venn diagram. But there is an overlap. Yeah, it's a very shallow cleavage. All right. So, wait, we're sorry. finishing our oh. wine for the final category. Yeah, pour. Yep. So the final category. Ah, here we go. The ugly. The ugly. ugly. So the ugly category is a rom-com that on paper is bad. Or maybe critically is bad, but that we love deep in our little hearts. Um, shall I present mine first? Or would you like to present first? You can present first if you'd like. Should we do a rock, paper, scissors again? Yeah. it's odd. Okay. Let's go. Okay. The winner presents last. The winner picks who goes first. Okay. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. God damn. Sam wins again. Okay. You go first. Okay. I'm going first. Don't freak. Because like I said, at the heart of this is a movie that I love. But I chose for the ugly 13 going on 30. A bad movie that you like? I think it's a good movie that I is good. Hear me out. I love this movie. I'm obsessed. It's next to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I've probably seen it the most. On paper, and if you read the script, you'd be like, this is a bad movie. This is weird. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. It is only made perfection by a killer cast. Mr. Ruff. Oh, my God. Mark Ruffalo has been doing it for me since I hit puberty. And Jennifer Garner, for that matter. Some amazing musical numbers, a great makeover scene. So our bingo sheet is about to be like, bah, bah, bah. Mm -hmm. And an excellent soundtrack. So, But on paper, this, (laughs) at its heart, is a very uncomfortable, possibly felonous tale (laughs) of a 13-year-old Seducing and being seduced by a 30-year-old man. It's in the, like, 51st dates category where you're like, this is morally bankrupt. (laughs) 
it's it's so fantastical that like all laws are off. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's scenes where they like kiss and try to marry each other. She's 13. And, and he's he just fully 30 it. something. He's fully 30. <laughs> so this movie could have been a total flop, but I haven't even checked the like rating on 13 going on 30 and I don't really care, but wait, I refresh feel like it's my amazing. refresh my memory. Does he know that she's stuck in this body? He like goes along with it, but I don't think he fully believes it. So she tells him at one point. No, she like shows up at his door. The morning she wakes up is 30. She goes, knock, knock, knock. Oh my God, Maddie, like I'm 30. This is crazy. Like last she saw of him, she was a child. And so was he. And he's Mm -hmm. like, um, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Sure, lady. Have you been doing drugs? Here's some water. Yeah, I'll like get you to your house. He's like taking care of her, but he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And then they start creating a bond that kind of supersedes her coming to his door and acting like a crazy person. So best case scenario, he's like putting the Mac on someone with like severe mental breaks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In 100%. his mind. He's like, I haven't seen her since she was 13. She's infantilized herself. Yes. And I'm still in about 70%. I mean, she definitely pursues him, you know, but if he like, what is he supposed to believe? Best case is that she's fucking <laughs> insane you see what i'm saying like they very delicately cast this in a way that we can just like kind of forget (laughs) that this is happening also fun fact because i'm known for them brie larson plays one of the six chicks (gasps) she does she does play the sixth chick she plays like the seventh chick or something the (laughs) one next to the the one that doesn't have any lines (gasps) we're huge fans of brie larson here at subtextual podcast we are incredibly so (laughs) okay so I'm glad I have this one uh, because it's going to knock off some crazy amount of spaces on the bingo card because we have okay um, wedding day confrontation. Okay. Wedding scene. Yeah. There was one more on there. So right now. Oh, makeover makeup scene. All right. Listeners of Subtextual, due to the 13th going on 30 makeover scene, <laughs> we officially got a bingo Woo! on our Subtextual rom-com bingo card. Cheers to that. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, one last question before we move on from 13 going on 30. But how does a 13-year-old run a magazine for a year? Because she's fully a 30-year-old for like almost a year. (laughs) Running budgets, multiple photo shoots, hiring people. (laughs) She's 13. I believe that executive level (laughs) employees do absolutely nothing. (laughs) Once you make it to the top, you don't have to do shit. The the more experience I gain, the less work that I actually do in my own job personally. So this checks out for me. (laughs) It's how like you start your life in diapers and you end them in diapers as well. Yes, exactly. It's just the... You do nothing in kindergarten. You do nothing as a executive level employee. For what is it? Cosmo? Something like that. It's like a, it's, it's called, it's like a knockoff of Vogue. It's called like Sparkle. Sparkle. Is it called Sparkle? Oh my god. Oh no, it's called poise. Composure is the one it's for poise. how to lose a guy in ten days. But this one's poise. Poise and composure. <laughs> Someone should really take the time to create editions of these fake magazines from films. The Devil Wears Prada is no, is Devil Wears Prada poise? Okay, the magazine from 13 going on. Poise. No, you're right. Damn girl. Thank you, baby. That's right. That's not what $20 sounds like. That's what $0 sound like. <laughs> Runway magazine. Runway. Poise is better. Yeah, it's better than composure as well. You can thank the writers of What Women Want 
for the title of the magazine and 13 going on 30. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. What's your ugly? Show me your ugly. What is that biblical reference? Give, or no, no. It's the Statue of Liberty. Bring me your... Your pain and your weak. And your fugly. And your fugly. <laughs> <laughs> so the ugly being bad, but we stand is my personal favorite. We've touched on a few times, so... I made you think I wasn't going to talk about it. Is it music and fucking lyrics? It's music and lyrics. So you agree it's bad. So you agree. You're pretty. I understand that the world thinks it's bad. Because it is bad. Uh, No. No. I've never seen two people with less sexual chemistry. You've never seen this movie. I've seen this movie multiple times with you. I once lived with you for such a time that I saw you watch it. Press play on this film three times in 24 hours. I don't claim you. (laughs) That's my roommate. (laughs) How dare you? You did not. Okay. Listener, there is a huge chance that you have not seen this movie. I don't think, I think I could throw a boulder at the human population and not hit a person that's seen this movie. I wonder why. Music and lyrics stars Hugh Grant of Notting Hill fame Mm -hmm. and Drew Barrymore of Drew Barrymore. Of Drew Barrymore fame. (laughs) This is a film that is directed and written by the writer of Miss Congeniality. Oh my God. Genius film. The other contender for It's Bad But We Stand was My Best Friend's Wedding. We already touched on that on this podcast, but Mm. it is a... At the end of the day, she crazy. Those characters are bad, but bad. we stand it, and I stand this movie for the same reasons that it's basically a musical. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me fill the listener in because I could give you twenty dollars a million times and guarantee that the person listening to this has not seen music and lyrics. Music and lyrics follows the washed-up pop star from the '80s, played by Hugh Grant, who is in a Daryl Hollow Notes type band that becomes more popular without his presence. So he's kind of washed up in the present day. And he is asked to write a song for like the Ariana Grande of that moment. That's exactly how I would describe her. Yes. So she's like a very prominent, very now like hot little pop star. So he's been asked to write a song for her. He's basically broke at this point, but he's sort of like Elton John where he, where he can write all the music, but he can't write any of the lyrics. Mm. So that's why he's never been able to to write music on his own. And shortly after being tasked with writing the song for this major pop star, he meets Drew Barrymore, who is his, um, what do you even call it? Plant daddy? Plant daddy? Like she has to come to- (laughs) Another realistic rom-com job. Yes. She has to come to his apartment and water his plants. And so I'm going to show you the meet cute. Okay, Lizzie, I'm going to show you a scene in which the main character, Hugh Grant, is attempting to write a song with another lyricist and then Drew Barrymore comes in to water his plants and she kind of like fills in the lyrics. You're missing the point from the first line. Give it up, I'm a bad hot witch is okay. But then it should be. But with some magic, just might switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, what, what did you say? I don't remember. I think it was, but with some magic, I just might switch. That is actually quite intriguing. That's not my lyric. No, I know, but it's a lovely phrase. Look, if you can't handle anything except Moon and June, why don't we just let Plant Girl finish the lyrics? Plant Girl? Give it up. I'm a bad hot witch, but with some magic, I just might switch. Finish it. 
Let's fly my broom to the stars above and we'll charm our way back into love. So what did you think about that scene? <laughs> I think Drew Barrymore is a gem and Hugh Grant is a little piece of poop. Everything that is good about this film comes from Drew Barrymore, true or false? False. What else is good? The music. <sighs> You're going to make me listen to that one song, aren't you? It's going to mm-hmm. be stuck in my head all mm-hmm. month. <laughs> I've been living with a shadow overhead I've been sleeping with a cloud above my bed I've been lonely for so long Trapped in the past, I just can't seem to move on I've been hiding all my hopes and dreams away Just in case I ever need them again someday I've been setting aside time To clear a little space in the corners of my mind forfeit the $20 you owe me if you agree to do a duet to that song with me at the next karaoke night. I'll take it. I break even on my film degree. Shake on it. Okay, that's that's as much as I'm going to talk about music and lyrics. I think I've talked about it to, to Helen Beck. <laughs> I love this movie. No one's seen this movie. If you've seen this movie, like hit my line. I would love to know that other people exist in this reality. That'd be great. Someone's like, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Positive reactions only. <laughs> I will delete your negative comments. And okay, every category has its actor and my actor for the it's bad but we stan <laughs> is Anne Hathaway. Amen. Every single rom-com she's been in has been just bad. Questionable. There's One day bad. Yeah. I wanted to like it so much. There's Ella love- Enchanted. Is that a rom-com? No, it's more of like a fantastical right. musical. Yeah. But Princess Diaries 2 because the first one I wouldn't consider a rom-com. The second one is a rom-com where mm. she's like trying to find someone to marry. Mm. Bride Wars with Yellow Dress. Kate Hudson. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Oh. Which is like a smorgasbord. What are you doing tonight? We should watch that tonight. <laughs> we could watch it. I've got shit else to do. And then uh, Love and Other Drugs, which is Gyllenhaal. Oh, whatever. Anne Hathaway could literally, I could see a video of her like killing a dog and I'd be like, oh, she's having a bad day. That's why she's the her. actress of It's Bad, But We Stand. I agree. Thank you. Love you, Anne. End of my dissertation. <laughs> Watch music and lyrics. Please, somebody. I'm so alone with this movie. <laughs> Don't help her. She's done this to herself. <sighs> All right. So to wrap us up, we said we would play one last game for Valentine's Day. And that is to cast our perfect rom-com. And come up with a one-liner. Okay. So for the, for the sake of something new, can we make this gay? Why don't we cast the straight people in this, like how straight people would cast the gay people in this? Like there's just one auxiliary character that it's so small. Like they're, they're a straight best friend. Yeah, exactly. The straight best friend is on the queer rom-com bingo card. Exactly. Okay. 
So we're casting the two leads. Yeah. I think we just keep it classic. One singular couple. We cast the straight best friend and the backstabbing best friend. So what kind of couple are they? We're doing like NB. We're doing like WLW. We're doing like. Oh my gosh, it's like a delicious fruit bowl. I don't think we can go wrong anyway. Yeah. Let's. How about this? We pick one person that we couldn't live without in our rom-com and then we decide who's the best from there. Cast around them. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, it's. Oh, this is like exciting. I'm okay. Excited. I'm butterflies. Okay. Oh my God. Zoe Kravitz. Mm. Zoe Kravitz, the hottest creature to bless this earth. Okay. So who would pair with Zoe Kravitz? Oh my God. God. It's like endless. Me. You can cast me. I'll do it. I'll do it for cheap. <laughs> I volunteer. I'll do it for negative money. I'll pay to be in this bitch. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Wait, 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 wait. All right, you let me pick Zoe Kravitz, so I'll let you take the reins on on her partner. <gasps> uh, who? Elliot Page. Oh, that would be cute. Has Elliot Page done a been in a movie? Like, as Elliot? Not that I know of. Okay, Elliot Page and Zoe Kravitz. Excellent pairing. I mean, right? Yay. Like, that's like, my whiskers are like twitching. slam my ass into that theater seat. Okay, so Zoe Kravitz is the lead, but she's a good girl. She's not, we gotta, I mean, her tattoos can be there. They're not to say that she's bad. Yeah. Does she work in advertising? What is the gay? She's a barista. She's a barista. The gay version of advertising. Okay, so she's a barista. I feel like I'm playing MASH with celebrities. Oh, my God. We played and a lot of MASH during the pandemic. she has 700 kids, and she drives a <laughs> box with wheels. And lives in a shack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the, the leads down. Okay. I think that Zoe Kravitz's mom, mm-hmm. no, no, Elliot's mom should be Fiona Shaw. Okay. Let's get Fiona in here. And Zoe Kravitz's brother should be Jason Momoa. Well, that's weird because that's her stepdad. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) IRL? (laughs) Wait, I want him to be my stepdad. (laughs) (laughs) Zoe Kravitz's mother, Lisa Bonet, is currently married to Jason Momoa. And that's her stepdad. <laughs> Someone get this woman some water. I feel faint. I feel, I feel faint. <laughs> the room's getting smaller. <laughs> I, I can't wait to Google that later. You I, didn't know that? I thought that's why you said no, that. No. Oh, no. Okay. 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 So Zoe Kravitz. Like what's mm-hmm. the actual, what's the plot? Okay. Well, she needs an unrealistic job. She needs to like own a bakery or own a coffee shop or yeah she needs to work like flowers what if like the one of the arcs of the plot is that she's like entering the workforce as like a capitalist like mindset person but part of her like journey with elliot page is kind of giving up the lifestyle to pursue something she actually loves kind of deal yes i love that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like oh here we go. Here we like go. Like maybe she's trying to become a lawyer or something that's like, oh, not that. That's actually a good job. But. What if she's set to become partner at her father's 
law firm. Okay. Yes. So for Zoe Kravitz's father, the partner of the law firm, I'm thinking Morris Chestnut. Mm-hmm. The father, the adopted father from Like Mike. Yes. That's NBA player. Yeah. He looks like he owns a law firm for sure. Yeah. So that's her dad. So she is trying to kind of be the person her dad wants her to be. Mm-hmm. And like she maybe stumbles across Elliot like at the coffee shop at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that Elliot works at, but maybe she assumes that Elliot just works there, but maybe Elliot owns it. And it's like their dream, like something they've worked really hard. And that's kind of like a misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. Like she just assumes like, oh, you just work at a coffee shop. Like, what are you doing in your life? And she's like, actually, they're like, actually, I own this place. This is like, I've worked really hard to get here. So you're saying mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. So like Zoe Kravitz is like getting her caffeine every day. She's like, I've really got to bang through all these cases that I have to do for my dad's law firm. Mm -hmm. And they kind of come in with like an entitled classist understanding Mm -hmm. when they meet Elliot Page. And, you know, Elliot's trying to maybe relate to them. Mm -hmm. And Zoe Kravitz's character is like, you couldn't understand, like you're just a barista or whatever. And then Elliot's like, Actually, I enjoy working the counter, but I own this place. Yeah, And so like they start this like whirlwind romance Mm -hmm. in the third act redemption. Zoe can roll up her sleeves and do some service work to say like, I always undermined your business because I never understood how hard it was. So I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to try to understand how fucking hard it is to make coffee. And they go to the Latte Art Olympics. <laughs> yep. And Elliot wins. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yes. Okay, there needs to be like a straight best friend. Elliot's ex-girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus. Sure. Why not? We need someone to be a little evil. Yeah. She'll be misunderstood, though. We'll come around to her in the end. And then Zoe's best friend. I'll leave you to cast. It should be like the straightest straighty to ever straight the planet, right? Like, instead of like the gay best friend, it's like the dumbass straight best friend. Yeah. You could do like a himbo. A himbo? What's a himbo? I'm so exhausted from educating you all day. An attractive but unintelligent (laughs) man. Huh. Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh, yes, Titus Andromeda. As, but make him straight. Yes, but he's like a straight guy. <laughs> yes. Cast. Cast him. <gasps> I would die to meet that actor. Straight. What is his name? Titus Burgess. His first name is Titus mm-hmm. in real life? Yes. God bless America. Okay, so for our 2022 rom-com cast, mm-hmm. we have a plot in which the main character, Zoe Kravitz, is trying to impress her father by being a straight-laced partner-to-be at his law firm. Mm -hmm. Her father is played by Morris Chestnut. Then, while getting coffee, she runs into Elliot Page, who she initially looks down upon for being a service Mm -hmm. worker. But Elliot Page informs Zoe Kravitz that that's rude that you did that. I also own this place. And maybe you can learn a thing or two mm-hmm. about getting your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. So we follow these characters as they're falling in love. Mm-hmm. And we see them on their journey, which is sprinkled with 
guest appearances by Fiona Shaw as Elliot's mother, mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus as Elliot's <laughs> ex, toxic ex-girlfriend, and Titus Burgess as Zoe Kravitz's straight best friend. And in the end, Zoe Kravitz accompanies Elliot to a latte art competition in which Elliot wins, and Zoe learns to use her law degree for good to help. She, like, helps advocate for people to get access to, like, loans and and land to start their businesses. And, and then they get kissing at the end. Happy romantic comedy to you all. Sam, what have you learned? I have learned that instead of third act running to your loved one, just reveal your mistaken identity right up front. Right up front and just enter the musical number mm-hmm. with it gusto. Saves a lot of time. <laughs> what have you learned, Lizzie? I've learned that Jason Momo is fucking Zoe Kravitz's stepdad. <laughs> How can I apply for him to be my stepdad? <laughs> and a happy Valentine's Day to you. <laughs> happy Valentine's Days to you all. This episode was produced and engineered by Lee Garcia. Your hosts are Lizzie Guitro and Sam De La Fuente. Editing by Lizzie. Music by DJ No. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at SubtextualPod. 